this is Alexandra Rechitskaya from Cleveland Clinic Cola Institute, and I'm excited to welcome you to this episode of the new Retina Radio Journal Club uh, together with Wittbuckle Society. I'm joined by uh, my colleagues uh, from across US. Uh, we have uh, Dimitris Kondro from University of Chicago. Welcome, Dimitra. Hello, thank you so much for having me. And uh, we have uh, Dr. Emmanuel Chang from Retina and Vitreous of Texas. How are you, Manny? Hey, good. Thanks for being here. And uh, we also have uh, Michael Klufus from Will's Eye Hospital and Mid-Atlantic Retina. Mike, welcome. Thanks for having me, Alexandra. Well, it's great to, to have you guys on to discuss this um, very timely topic. Um, and uh, we are going to uh, summarize uh, one of the studies that have been recently published. And then we're going to uh, discuss this study as well uh, with our guests. So um, the study we're going to focus on today is efficacy and sa safety of biosimilar FYB201 compared with ranibizumab and neovascular age-related macular degeneration. This is a publication by uh, Frank Holtz on behalf of the Columbus AMD study group, and it came out in May 2021 in ophthalmology. So I'm going to turn it off over to Mike to summarize the study for us. Great. And um, as the title sort of foreshadows, uh, this was a study whose purpose was to determine the clinical equivalence of this proposed biosimilar FYB201 and reference ranibizumab in patients with treatment-naive and subfoveal CNB uh, caused by neovascular age-related macular degeneration. So it was a prospective multicenter trial that went on for 48 weeks. There were 477 patients, and they were randomly assigned to receive either FYB201, 238 patients, or reference ranibizumab, 0.5 milligrams, uh, this for 239 patients by intravitreal injection. And uh, the primary endpoint, which is important, was the change from baseline and best corrected visual acuity, uh, ETDRS letters at eight weeks prior to the third monthly intravitreal injection. Um, and uh, they basically showed uh, the main result was that there was a mean improvement of 5.1 ETDRS letters with FYB201 and an improvement of 5.6 letters in the reference ranibizumab uh, at eight weeks. And uh, through some other out key secondary endpoints, they basically showed that FYB201 is a biosimilar um, in, that's with reference standard to ranibizumab in terms of clinical efficacy and ocular systemic safety in patients with uh, neovascular AMD. Some of the secondary endpoints included um, OCT measures of retinal thickness, uh, proportion of patients with active CNV at 48 weeks, and proportion of patients with fluid-free macula during the study and change in baseline total lesion area at 48 weeks. And I think some of us have also been concerned about some safety signals. Um, so there was a pharmacokinetic analysis done in a subgroup of 60 patients. And there was also analysis done uh, for anti-drug antibodies as well as neutralizing anti-drug antibodies as well. So that's, um, that's a great summary. Thanks so much for that. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, there has been a lot of discussion of biosimilars. So maybe uh, before we uh, dive into a deeper discussion of this, of this paper, uh, Dimitra, you know, maybe you can uh, um, uh, update uh, the listeners and the viewers on the difference between the biologics that we usually use in clinic for our neovascular AMD patients versus, um, you know, what we think of generic drugs, obviously we don't have any, any generics for, for us, and uh, where, what is a biosimilar? 
So biosimilar is basically uh, biologics uh, drugs that are very highly similar regarding physical, chemical, and biological properties uh, to an already marketed drug. And then have to demonstrate that there is a biosimilarity based on uh, studies uh, with the reference medicine. Um, and it's a relatively new concept. Uh, well, generic is a medicine out of patent and then any company can start making it exactly the same as the initial medicine. So it's not the same drug, but it's basically using the same mechanism. It have similar properties. They've been around in the rest of the other medical fields for the last 10 years, and they've been getting a lot of popularity, uh, especially in the uh, um, rheumatology world. There are a lot of like biosimilars because these drugs are very expensive and it's been a lot of issues Care, but definitely it's a new frontier for ophthalmology and retina. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just exactly like you mentioned, it's not a carbon copy of the um, reference biologic, be it uh, ranibizumab or another biologic. And actually, the company that um, develops it doesn't have the recipe uh, that they follow. Uh, and that's why it's so important uh, to do these trials. And in comparison, and we'll, we'll probably talk a little bit about uh, money, you know, it's uh, to make a generic drug, it takes less time and less money than obviously to uh, make the original drug. And uh, biosimilars fall somewhere in between. These are not as easy to make or as cheap to make. And also they don't require as rigorous of a, a study uh, to theoretically get approved. So Manny, maybe I'll, I'll ask you, what do you think about the outcomes, the primary outcome of the study? Uh, I, I think it's great that there are these trials and st being studied and published to show that at least for visual acuity, for OCT changes and subroma fluid reduction, we're seeing comparable efficacy. Um, the hardest thing I think with bio these biosimilars is figuring out the stability of the formulation. When we store these drugs, and we, do we have to store them in different environments? If we keep them around for several months, do they have the same shelf life as what we're used to? Uh, those things are important. The other thing is, as we see, as Dimitra mentioned, we have bio biosimilars in rheumatologic drugs. You know, while they're very efficacious and they work well uh, and they are cheaper, there are reports that some of these biosimilars have a little bit more skin reaction at the injection site compared to the branded drugs and whether or not those types of formulation issues, stability issues will play out, you know, time will tell. Excellent points. Um, so we are going to take a little bit uh, of a break, and then we are going to talk a little bit more about uh, this particular study and about biosimilars in general. Hi, this is Alexander Rajitsky, and I'm back with the new Retina Radio Journal Club uh, together with the Buckle Society, and I'm joined by Dimitris Kondra, Manuel um, Chang, and Michael Klufus, and we're talking about uh, biosimilars. So um, uh, we're talking about the one of the biosimilars that was compared to ranibizumab, and uh, there's uh, been some other studies um, done um, in particular in India looking at biosimilars. So maybe Maybe I'll ask, um, I'll ask you, Dimitra, where do you see biosimilars fitting in and uh, why is it a conversation that we're having now? So I think that biosimilars is going to be how much they're going to in, in kind of like a big, big significant part of uh, the retinal practice uh, based on two factors. I think it's going to be number one, the price and how that compares with the actual original drug or uh, the other compounded, like in particular bevacizumab, and number two, the country and the healthcare system. So if there's a healthcare system 
that uh, does not have axe compound drugs, like in India, for example. Um, and also if there's like a, a healthcare system that insurance companies kind of like determine what drug the doctor will have to give and only give another option um, based on cost and profitability um, if this doesn't work. So I don't think it's gonna be one size fits all. I think we're gonna see different corporation. Once safety and efficacy is confirmed, um, in different markets, uh, in different practices, in different healthcare systems. And uh, and as you mentioned, you know, we um, in in some of the countries, and uh, for example, India, where there is more widespread use of biosimilars as we speak, um, you know, they don't have an option of um, Avastin being used in these conditions. Um, uh, Manny, what do you think is going to be the role that Avastin is going to play when you when we talk about biosimilars in Retina? Uh, it's a great question, and it, I think it really comes down to price point. Obviously, uh, the healthcare costs are skyrocketing. Uh, if you compare rheumatologic biosimilars, they're on average 30% less than the branded. If that plays out in our field, it's still the Lucentis biosimilars will be still significantly more than Avastin. And so then the question comes down to is how will payers perceive this? Uh, how will patients also perceive this? Um, so I, it's a great question. I don't know. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah, I think that, you know, the payers there, they see this massive number of patients that continues to increase. And the other key point is we keep doing these recurring therapies. And so if it's 10%, 20%, 30%, 40% cheaper than a branded drug, recurring treatment over time, that adds up to a lot to an insurer. And so that's where I think they really see the value, not in the individual price, but in the long-term over those repetitive treatments for that patient. And we talked about, uh, before the break, a little bit about safety. And uh, the study that we're talking about didn't show any uh, concerning safety signal. Um, but uh, let me ask you, uh, maybe Dimitra, what do you, what's gonna make you feel comfortable? Let's say you have an option to do whatever, you're not mandated by insurance company or um, you know, any other way to, to use biosimilar. What is gonna make you feel comfortable um, since these drugs are not gonna be uh, studied for as uh, maybe in detail as the original biologics? I think the studies like the one that we just discussed is a good start, but it's definitely not enough regarding numbers. I would like to see studies with more long-term outcomes, uh, how the vision, because we know even with our regular medications that the vision declines after a few years. So we need to make sure that um, the, the vision outcomes are the same, the safety outcomes are the same with larger numbers, and also the ability in real life that then you have a certain extent uh, that we don't do monthly injections for everybody for a year. If we can extend these patients, like if we can actually take advantage of the fact that we have a cheaper drug and give equal number of injections, or you have less price, but they have to inject them every month to maintain the same effect that I can do with treated extent with another drug. Yeah, and I think it's a good point because uh, there's so many new approaches to, we're talking about new vascular MD in this case, but you know these biosimilars theoretically are gonna be, if they become approved, they're gonna be approved for all indications. Uh, so um, we have so many novel approaches where we're talking about uh, um, extending that interval, right? And uh, with the, a study like this, they're looking at uh, monthly injections um, really at this point. Yeah, the other interesting thing is, you know, we, we look at Avastin as our generic now, and if you look at AMD, DME, and RVO, Avastin probably has this, 
the lowest difference from ranibizumab or aflibercept in AMD, but then the difference separates at earlier time points, especially in DME and then RVO. There's been the Lievel score two trial. And so, you know, it's interesting they chose to study the biosimilar in AMD first, because I would expect the difference to be smaller there than the other conditions. And the other, the other thing I wonder is on the more on the payer side is, you know, currently a lot of these branded drugs, we have copay assistance programs that are funded by the companies. The question is, will these biosimilar companies pursue similar avenues? Because even if it's 30% cheaper, that still could be quite a bit if the insurance doesn't have, or won't cover all of it, unless they make a standard statement saying we'll cover all of it and we don't need a copay assistance program. Otherwise, the comp these biosimilar companies will have to find a program to in-state to allow that. Yeah, I think I think the the cost, um, the safety, um, and the availability of the other uh, drugs that we have is going to really determine uh, where where biosimilars uh, are going to fall. And uh, you know, as we mentioned earlier, you know, these drugs are not cheap to manufacture, uh, to develop, to uh, manufacture, and to study. Uh, it's it's a rigorous process. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, where this develops uh, in US and ex US. Well, I appreciate uh, you guys participating and talking about this uh, important topic. And uh, please uh, join us for future episodes of the new Retina Radio Journal Club together with the Buckle Society. Take care. Bye.